So welcome to this edition of Seen and Solved presented by Hubbard Hall. I'm Tim Pennington, editor of finishingencoding.com. And today we're going to be talking with Carter Birmingham, who is the director of supply chain at Hubbard Hall. And we're going to talk on the topic, uh, topic of semiconductors. I'm Tim Pennington, and you're listening to Seen and Solved, brought to you by Hubbard Hall. Better results, less chemistry. Carter, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yes. So how long have you been at Hubbard Hall, may I ask? I know it's been several years, correct? Uh, yeah, it's been uh, about three and a half years that I've been here at Hubbard Hall. Okay, great. Well, give us a little bit about your background and how you wound up there and if you had any other experience in finishing or whether it was just in uh, chemicals. Give us a background if you could. Yeah. Um, so I'm originally born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, attended the University of Utah, I got my undergrad in finance. And shortly after graduating there, I got a, a role as a procurement analyst for a company called Sun Products. And I uh, was working in the chemical world as an analyst and then worked my way up as a buyer eventually. And then in 2016, that company was acquired by Hinkle. And Hinkle said, hey, we want you to work for us, but we need you to move out to Connecticut so uh, if you're interested, come on out. So I moved my family out to Connecticut and shortly thereafter um, found out that the position I was in wasn't the, great fit, the greatest fit for me mm. and I uh, was fortunate to find Hubbard Hall. So in 2019, I started as a director of procurement here at Hubbard Hall and then in 2020 became the director of supply chain and so I brought on the customer service team under, under my umbrella so that's how I now have the title of customer director of supply chain. Um, and then in this year, earlier 2022, um, we had some positions and roles and responsibilities change. And I was handed the, uh, the responsibility for managing our semiconductor strategic customers. So still director of supply chain and now getting um, my feet wet in the semiconductor industry and really managing those relationships. Gotcha. Uh, this has not been uh, the year to be a supply chain director or last year, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, it's like, um, yeah, it's I'm a, not a sure. Year if you want to lose hair, you can clearly see, but uh, <laughs> it's been stressful for sure. Right. So, so tell us about uh, you know, being a supply chain director. Wh who are you talking to every day? What are you looking for? What keeps you up at night? What are you doing there? Explain that to us. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, over the last two years, um, living in the supply chain world has been stressful and challenging, and it's been an, about survival mode, really making sure that we're securing the raw materials and components and parts that we need to keep our business running. So what that looks like on a daily basis is um, getting the orders here on time and in full that we've requested from our suppliers. And as you know, over the last two years, that hasn't been the easiest of things mm -hmm. given all the constraints and challenges globally. Um, so the last two years, my job has looked uh, a little bit differently than it normally does, but it's been more about uh, ensuring the continuity of supply. So um, making sure that we're following up with our suppliers and getting product here on time, um, communicating with those suppliers, and making sure that we're doing dealing business with the reputable suppliers who um, can live up to the commitments that we make with them. So mm. uh, it's been less about negotiating price and contracts uh, the last couple of years and more about 
survival and continuity of uh, business continuity. Right. Yeah, it's been a rough, rough year for everybody. Like I said, this really the uncertainty is, I think, the biggest question is, you know, you get promises, promises, and then uh, things don't come out. And there's so many factors, I guess, that really are, are playing into this. So right. yeah, it's got to be a, uh, uh, you know, like I said, every every day is gonna, probably going to be a challenge of, of making sure you get things in, because unless you see it, unless you get it in, you probably don't know if it's really going to be there. But uh, that's got to be the hardest part. So let's talk about um, uh, semiconductor, the industry, because uh, Hubbard Hall uh, is heavily into that, uh, supplying chemistry uh, in that market. So tell us about a little bit about that history of how long uh, Hubbard Hall has been specializing in the semiconductor market uh, with that. Yeah, so um, the way that Hubbard Hall entered into the semiconductor space was uh, acquiring a business over 20 years ago, um, particularly, particularly up in the Massachusetts area. Um, where we have a strong presence with the semiconductor players in that in that geographical region, um, and it uh, fits our business because it is commodity chemistry that that most of these uh, fabs are using. Um, so it, it fits our mold and it fits the what we're trying to do as a business. Um, but it was a bolt-on 20 years ago through an acquisition, um, and wow. quite frankly, it's it's been a really good fit for the organization as we deal in these types of chemistries for a lot of our other customers as well mm -hmm. as a chemical distribution company. Right. Uh, talk about some of the products, though. I mean, are these uh, you know pretreatment cleaning or what, what type of products are they for uh, for that industry? Yeah. So the semiconductor space it starts as a, a wafer. It's a, a, a large disc and it's made of metal and it has to be treated so that um, that wafer can then be cut into chips. And so the chemistry that we're supplying into there is uh, metal etchant uh, chemistry, mm. um, a lot of acid, sulfuric acid, phosphoric acid, um, isopropyl alcohol and so forth that allow that metal to be treated so that it can then be produced into making a chip. And then we also have some chemistries that help on the wastewater treatment at those facilities. So not mm. only are they making those chips and the wafers, but they then have to then treat the metal that, I mean, treat the water that's going out uh, the back door. So we're playing in that space where we give them and provide them those chemistries to treat the wastewater at the facility. Right, okay, great. Uh, you know, it's funny, I'm sorry, go ahead, do add more? I was gonna say one other thing is um, yeah. not only just commodity chemistry, but we've got strategic relationships with suppliers who uh, decades of relationships that provide specialty products for these uh, fabs um, that, mm. that are working with engineers on a daily basis to design new chemistries that can help optimize and uh, improve efficiencies at those fabs. So we're, we're supplying the commodities, but we're also supplying and representing those strategic suppliers who help with the the new innovation and, and projects that they're working with those engineers at the fabs to to bring specialty products to the chemistry that they're working with. Right, and I think a, a big plus, I'll just add from, from outside looking in, I know one of the things that Hubbard Hall does, not only just supplies the chemistry, but really helps uh, the the application of this. I know it's 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 very difficult to get a lot of the etching right and the metal treat in the in the you know wastewater right. So I, I think that's a lot of things that uh, you all do just besides supplying it is walking people through these processes, especially when they run into issues, uh, whether you know materials change for them and now they're trying to do it a little different uh, type. So that's often a big part of it. I think is where uh, the Hubbard Hall people jump in is to help people with those products to get to the end 
you know, the quality that they need to meet because it seems like it's a very high quality industry. Yeah, that's that's correct. And particularly over the last couple of years is managing the distribution and warehousing of these materials to ensure that they don't shut down their lines. Uh, mm -hmm. Running a fab is extremely costly. And if they can't get the materials that they need to run their parts, then uh, it's a big, big challenge. And proudly, I'll say that, that we haven't shut down our customers and we've done everything we possibly can, bending over backwards, increasing our storage so that these strategic customers do not shut down. And I'm proud to say that, right. that we haven't shut anyone down through right. this supply chain crisis that That's we've been great. dealing with. Yeah, it's, it's been touch and go with a lot of people. That's great. The biggest one we hear with, uh, um, not that you have anything to do with it, but the biggest we hear with uh, issues coming out of this is the chip shortages in the automotive industry and also in consumer electronics. Where I live in Ohio, I know just maybe 40, 50 miles down the road, there's a abandoned racetrack with over 100,000 brand new automobiles sitting there that are completed and waiting for chips. And uh, <laughs> it keeps getting replenished. Uh, but that's the biggest thing that everybody hears with the news is that, you know, these cars, it's, it's why cars are more expensive. It's why they're delayed is that the chips, the, the car is completely built, but the, the chips aren't there. So uh, yeah, talk to me a little bit about what you've seen in, in the past few years and we're large uh, related to that about the supply chain of, you know, chip manufacturing, uh, especially here in the U S. Yeah. So as it relates particularly to automobiles, so, <clears throat> you know, Computers, phones, and so forth, um, it seems to be that the chip producers have been able to keep up with that demand. Where we've seen that chip suppliers are not able to keep up is when the automobile industry, and that's predominantly driven, I found out this fact um, from one of our customers, the EV space, so the electric vehicle space, mm -hmm. actually requires four times the amount of chips that a regular automobile right. requires. And as right. we see this demand for EV um, pick up, there's more pressure on on these chip suppliers to keep up and quite frankly it's it's just it's so much that they're having a hard time and as you dial back to to covid um a lot of the automobiles manufacturers didn't know what was going to happen and what the demand was going to look like for automobiles and so the chip fabs slowed down production predominantly for the automobile industry and then things quickly flipped and, and ramped back up um so it's been a a frantic pace to try to get back up and catch up with the demand mm. coupled with the 4x requirements or four times the amount of chips that are required for the EV vehicles. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been challenging, particularly on the automobile space. Like you said, parking lots of, of vehicles waiting for chips um, mm -hmm. because the demand has been so, so strong and these fabs haven't been able to keep up. So Right. We're seeing that that is um, the backlog isn't as great as it once was, um, but it's it's still there. And um, at least six months to another 12 months, I would expect that we're going to see this continued backlog and, and uptick in demand. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah, some are red where it's it's not just one or two chips. These cars even produced today have a mm -hmm. dozen or more chips. Right. I mean, they need a lot of these to go in. So if you're talking about an EV having four times, that's that's huge. That's a huge amount of chips that need to be manufactured and processed correctly and installed. So that's correct. A, yeah. That's a huge one that, uh, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, 
you know, not not get kind of get away from automotive a little bit and what's going on with that. But let's talk about what's driving the growth and trajectory of the uh, semiconductor market. I know you're getting a lot of information from, you know, your customers who are in this. What is it that they're seeing that's driving this? And is it going to be sustainable uh, for the next couple of years? Yeah. So what we're hearing is, um, as you know, development and technology and development and, and the way that we act as humans, everything's moving towards computerization and, and using chips to help us in our daily lives. So the demand is is only going to increase in that aspect. And then, as I mentioned earlier, this EV demand is, is also going to to push us in a direction of, of higher demand. Um, what also is, is interesting that's happening in the marketplace is uh, the United States and, and the way that they want to approach the chip market from a macro perspective. So um, President Biden and his staff has passed what's called the CHIPS Act, which is funding to try to bring a lot of the chip production back here domestically to the United States. So it's a $250 billion uh, incentive for these organizations to build chip fabs here in North America. Um, and this is changing the landscape. Uh, quite frankly here, particularly in, in North America, where uh, a lot of these fabs left um, when globalization started to happen due to labor costs and so forth, economics, um, and we're seeing this coming back. And this is a, a big driver for what we see is the demand, particularly for our business and chemical distribution here in North America is these fabs are gonna be coming up in the next couple of years. And it's important for us to stay at the forefront of that so that we can help them as they come online and, and provide the chemistry that they need to keep their fabs running. Right. Yeah. I, I know I'm here in Ohio and I think maybe a month ago, we had a big announcement right after I think the chips act was signed that a, a plant was coming here to Ohio. That was going to be a $2 billion plant to build. Uh, I'm not sure who the manufacturer was. Uh, I know I, I read it, but I couldn't recall it, but it seems like these are popping up a lot. I know in Arizona, I saw a couple more where they're, they're uh, these plants are, are building up. I guess, the thing being is that what we had, what we had with COVID, and then also the supply chain shortages, that people they want it to be made here in the U.S. Right? They it seems like there's a a reshoring of that effort to get it done here instead of halfway across the world or across the world, basically. Yeah, it's um, supply chain challenges. So having product here in our in the North America region, um, but then also a lot of innovation goes into making these chips and keeping that innovation here uh, in North America as much as possible, rather than that innovation being shipped overseas and shared overseas, there's there's a lot of desire to keep it here. So um, yeah, you're right. Ohio announced a large chip fab going up in Ohio, upstate New York, um, North Carolina, mm -hmm. Arizona. Um, with, with the spending, it's a lot of excitement in this particular category because um, a lot of growth is happening and and a lot of uh, new innovation coming into North America, which should ultimately be pretty exciting. Right, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, where, where do you see this market going, like I said, in the next three to five years? I know that, um, uh, you know, they're trying to build these facilities as fast as they can. Uh, mm -hmm. I know a lot of finishers I've talked to are trying to get into this industry. I know it's changing a lot. Uh, I was just talking to a, a, a company the other day, it was talking, they were making silver connectors uh, in electronic components for automobiles. And, and it went, the spec used to be, you know, two to 3000 insertions before erosion, you know, uh, mm -hmm. took place. now it's up to 10,000 is the spec, right? So the demand is there to really 
get this more reliable. But where do you see this going next? Like I said, and you may have touched on it just a bit there, you know, the next three to five years. And, and also what's Hubbard Hall doing, I guess, to kind of uh, you know, keep up with that and, and uh, play a big role in that? Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, I think where I see this going and where we see it going in the next three to five years and everything I, I seem to be reading is, um, is, is only growing. So there's a lot of growth looking out for the next three to five years as these new fabs are coming on board and, and like you said, running as fast as they can to get these facilities built up. Um, where this helps us and how it plays out for Hubbard Hall, when they build these fabs, they're multi-billion dollar fabs, they don't wanna be building a warehouse. And where we come into play is our chemical distribution and warehousing and our expertise and having knowledge, twenty over 20 years of knowledge of how to handle these types of products and how to handle these types of customers. So over the next three to five years, as these fabs continue to grow and, and come online, it's critical for us as a chemical distribution company to be partnering with these customers to make sure that they know we're there and we're going to help them as they come online. And as I mentioned, there's no interest in them of building space to store these materials, but at the same time, it's extremely costly if they can't run and run consistently. So they need to have a partner close by, product available, um, and the know-how and expertise and strategic relationships that we have to help them keep their fab running. So <clears throat> where I see this going for the next three to five years is a lot of development and growth happening. And it's important for Hubbard Hall as it plays out to make sure that we're partnering with these customers and allowing them to build the space that they need to make chips. And we're the warehousing and distribution partner and expert in helping them to bring that chemistry to their needs. Right, yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, so I don't think supply chain problems are gonna decrease, but like I said, they have somebody who's on top of it and, and, and can really do that. I think that's what they're looking for in, in a partnership with that a lot, is there someone that can really help them mitigate as much as they possibly can, any, any problems are coming up with that. So definitely. Correct. Yeah. yeah. All righty. Well, listen, I, I appreciate that. A lot of good information about the semiconductor. And I think it's going to be a very, very, you know, we, in finishing, we talk about aerospace and auto, automotive and everything, but I think semiconductor is going to be getting up there very, very much with uh, so what, what uh, a lot of finishing operations will be, uh, will be working with. So, uh, but Carter, I appreciate you taking time out and explaining all that to us. And I'll let you get back to the warehouse and, Make sure you get all those supplies back in. <laughs> Great, Tim. Appreciate you taking the time to meet with me and discuss the market. Thanks. Seen and Solved is brought to you by Hubbard Hall. Better results, less chemistry. For more podcasts, go to HubbardHall.com or wherever you get your podcasts.